Welcome one and all to the greatest wrestling show on the planet as hosted by your wily veterans, Will Macklin and Braden Mayhew, as well as the next generation cohorts, The Beast from BC, Alec Miski, and the man they call Gibby, Zach McGibbon. This is Wrestling with Idea. Welcome in to Wrestling with Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9 Ottawa's new music. I'm Zach McGibbon. Alongside me is Brayden Mayhew. Back for yet another fun episode of Wrestling with Ideas. We're going to recap all the big stuff. Again, a huge, massive, I would say, weekend and even 48-hour period for pro wrestling, guys. Oh, yeah, definitely. There was way too much to pack into like an hour of radio here. Yeah, of course. Uh, obviously, that is Alec Miski over there, the beast from BC. And, uh, but yeah, if you were here for the WrestleMania review, well, you're going to have to check that out on wrestlingwithideas.podbean.com. It's full. It's unedited. You're going to love it. We've got some great takes on it. But we do have uh, the Raw review. Uh, you're going to love it, Michael. You really are. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, we're going to have our Raw review uh right now for you guys it's it's and from what i thought was a pretty solid raw it certainly was definitely one of the more balanced shows that we've had this year so far and a lot of great debuts good returns and interesting twists and programs that were set up after wrestlemania honestly i only caught the last hour of it and i thought it was entirely underwhelming until like 10 minutes left in the show when all of a sudden well you have to stick around and wait till we get to it Mm-hmm. Well, let's start off with a show sold out crowd at the American Airlines Center in Dallas. We had Michael Cole, JBL, and Byron Saxton. Um, to open up the show, Vince's music came and big pop, I'd say. And uh, Vince said there was no chance his son Shane McMahon had. Uh, he had. Vince came out and he said that Shane had no chance. Uh, facing The Undertaker, obviously cluing into his theme song. And Vince touted the WrestleMania attendance, and it was unfortunate that we that we have a new WWE World Heavyweight Champion, although on the inside, obviously, he was just fine with Reigns being the champion. Uh, Vince himself said, Vince himself said not to do it in terms of the massive cell spot that Shane McMahon did right from the top of the cell and uh, he said he even said himself don't do it and he had no idea it meant that much to Shane where he would risk his life Vince also reinforced how foolish Shane was and that's essentially how he thought Shane would run raw just crazy and things would go nutty Uh, Shane comes out and uh, he can barely walk he's got a huge bruise on the side of his face but I believe as far as I know that was makeup so, uh, good makeup job. I actually thought it was a massive Bruce. He actually fell into a bucket of blueberries. Mm, maybe that's what it was. Um, <laughs> and so, the fans were chanting, thank you, Shane, as he announced that he was getting ready for his send-off, but then Vince was pretty convinced about uh, about Shane's, uh, I guess you could say, speech to the crowd, and he did not want to be upstaged. And so, he said, what the hell? You get to control Raw. So that was an interesting opening segment. I got. I think the crowd really enjoyed this one. I, I enjoyed it as well. It was a decent little opening segment, but it kind of makes the entire match from the night before completely okay. moot just 24 hours after having it, which, I don't know, maybe for shock value it was still something. 
Uh, it, it was fine. <laughs> what I don't understand, and this is what I mean in all honesty, they have Taker win, which is fine. Let Taker win. But now we have Shane coming back to manage Raw for the night. Like It, it basically means the match meant nothing. Essentially. Um, well, let's not forget as well, I mean, it, as of now, it doesn't look like he's controlling Raw for the rest of the year. If, if it, But it sounds like what they're going to do is... Uh, they're going to have him go all the way till the end of the year because there's no way they're just keeping him around just for a one night thing. After all of that, I could be wrong. Of course, it's WWE. They've crushed my dreams before. They can certainly do it again. Um, but yeah, this segment was fine. Again, if it goes, it really goes against the stipulation. If Undertaker also is legitimately done, as the rumors are suggesting, which we will get to in our news and rumors. Um, but essentially, like, if 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 the rumors are true that Taker is retiring, and sh- then and Shane is going to control Raw after, then what was the entire point of the Hell in a Cell match, other than just for Sh- Vince to see Shane get beat up one last time? Yeah, like that's just it. That's the only like, thing I can think of where that match would mean something. So. He really, really wanted that legal child abuse. He really did. Um, so now we go over to our WWE tag team title match, Sheamus and King Barrett versus the New Day. So I, I got a question for you. Should they be calling Sheamus and King Barrett the United Kingdom? Just like in WWE 12? Right. Oh, man. Imagine, I, I wish they brought that, that story. Well, technically it is kind of that storyline brought to life instead of United Kingdom, though. It's everywhere else in the world. It's um, four countries that aren't connected together, but somehow make a league. Of they're, nations. They're the little league of nations. The little league of nations. They're the minor league of nations. Um, certainly not minor. The guys are. They're quite big. Sheamus and King Barrett versus the New Day. This match was pretty pretty good. New Day was over. Like, over like Rover, man. Like, just, just crazy over. Would you say they're over 9,000? They're over 9,000, especially after that entrance at Mania, which, of course, we'll get to on the Wrestling With Ideas. Exclusive WrestleMania review on Wrestling With Ideas to podbean.com. Shameless plug. Um, this match was standard match. Uh, but, uh, you know, it got the crowd going. You know, Biggie is super charismatic. Like, just just oozing with charisma. He's he's a huge star in the making, in my opinion. And, of course, the New Day were able to retain. Um, very interesting stuff, what happened after the match. Uh, the Wyatt family came down after League of Nations turned on King Barrett. The lads are no more. No more lads. No more lads. Um, but the White family came down, and from what I saw, I thought that was just full up face turn, in my opinion. I think I think this is the face turn for the Wyatt family because I don't know what they're going to be doing. Uh, I don't understand beating up the League of Nations. For but I guess I guess we'll see. Brain, what were your thoughts? As far as them beating up the League of Nations, I think it just goes to show that not. They're not like typical heels. They will attack other evil forces in the company because they have no allegiance. Like it's been known that the League of Nations kind of have an allegiance to the authority. Mm-hmm. The Wyatt family do not have that kind of connection with sort of any group. They're their own thing. And I think them attacking a stable like that kind of enforces. I don't know if it was a full face turn or not, but it shows that they are willing to fight just about anybody, no matter what the allegiance of said wrestler or group of wrestlers are. What would you say about that, Alec? Just on that mere, what you heard of that uh, segment, does that sound like a pure face turn to you? 
Honestly, it's impossible to tell what the Whites are going to do, especially with Harper being injured and Bray obviously not in top shape. And just leading off what they did at WrestleMania against The Rock with John Cena coming out, and it's like, I just don't know if even the Wyatts know what their push is going to be. Like, this... As far as I'm concerned, this is kind of like they're rewriting the room and making the Wyatt stars Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> it's like that's an interesting uh, analogy. Um, but yeah, I, I I personally do think this is full out face turn for the Wyatt family, only because everybody hates the League of Nations, and they have rarely attacked heel stables. If it if it means nothing at all, it means uh, if it it may mean they're just going to be tweeners from here on out. Which you know what. I'm fine with that, honestly. They just they just need something for the for their character to just get themselves going. Because at this point, like they need to do something after that mania, because that mania did not make them look good at all. And uh, so we go over to Summer versus Sasha Banks. Summer was in the rain, cutting a promo, which was the most shocking thing I saw during Raw. Summer cutting a promo. You're not used to that. You're not used to. Her cutting promos on Raw. Are you used to seeing Summer Rae cutting promos on Raw? I will say, Summer Rae is probably the most underrated women's wrestler on that roster. Uh, that roster, rather. She's actually quite good. And she she's very underrated, in my opinion. It's just, don't have her as a manager. You're, you're screwed. You're screwed if you have her as a manager. Just ask Tyler Breeze and Fandango. Just ask those guys. And you, uh, and Dolph Ziggler. Anybody, any one of those, you're screwed. Um, Sasha Banks came out and tells Summer that she's still the boss and gave a pretty hard slap to Summer Rae. Um, match itself was just pretty standard. Um, Summer tried to fight back, but Sasha ducked and got a spin kick. And then Summer blocked the backstabber and tried to roll Sasha up for a two count, two count, but Sasha turned around to the bank statement for the win. This was just a sort of a segment to remind people that Sasha Banks is still there and still trying to vie for that uh, spot in the, uh, the women's championship match now. I'm so glad I get to say that. Um, but, uh, you know, just a, just a little showcase match, which I'm totally fine with. We always have matches like this on Raw, and it kind of follows up Sasha didn't get the big win at WrestleMania, but it's a way to kind of give her, I guess, in their minds, some more momentum after losing said big match. Mm-hmm. And it, I guess, keeps her relevant, keeps her winning. Yeah. And uh, even then... Um, I don't believe she took the fall during the triple threat, did she? Uh, no, that was Becky that yeah. took the fall. And uh, Becky, would, by the way, was sporting a massive black eye. I don't, I don't know if you saw, just a big bruise around her eye. That was, that was quite bad. Alec, what were your thoughts on this? Well, you know, it's nice that they're giving Sasha a, um, I guess the best way, like a good follow-up match to the Fatal 3-Way. Because they're the triple threat, whatever they want to call them, it's, it's all the same. Triangle match, <laughs> the triangle triage. But yeah, so yeah, it's just nice to see that they're actually trying to make her seem like she's still relevant. Because uh, with her, Sasha, or sorry, not Sasha Banks, but Becky Lynch and Charlotte, like there's the three of them are still vying for that top spot, and it kind of opens up like who's beneath them that they have to worry about too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's uh, it's really nice. Summer Rae obviously is not going anywhere near that title nope. anytime soon. Um, I don't know why they let her near a microphone. But they do. 
And that's just, uh, that's that's WWE. They do things no one wants, and then somehow we still tell them not to, and they still do. Mm, just amazing. Um, we go to a vignette of Apollo Crews' debut. That was very surprising when I saw that. I was, I thought they were going to keep him down there and have him built up to be their next Finn Balor in NXT so that Finn can move up the roster, but nonetheless, um, I... He had a match with Tyler Breeze. Boy, how far this guy has fallen from the face of the earth. Uh, good match for what it was. Um, I, I'm very, you know, Cruz, there's no doubt in my mind that Cruz is an amazing athlete and a good wrestler. The problem is, and that's just been the thing with NXT, he's very smiley. You know, he's very babyface. And in, and in this era of wrestling, just smiling and being a babyface is not enough uh, in this day and age. I hope he does really well because, you know, he ha- he does have a ton of potential. And at least, you know, the commentary did put him over well in this, I thought. The commentary has been getting better the past couple of weeks, I've noticed. There's been some good commentary moments from them. Um, notably from JBL, which usually I eviscerate on this show. But he said that this is a megastar in the making in Apollo Crews. And that's, you know, it's little touches like that that I'm really happy they do. Um, of course, Cruz got the win. He did that uh, very unique powerbomb where he kind of got him, gets him up for sort of like a back suplex, but then he spins him and then does a powerbomb, kind of like a combination of the pop-up powerbomb and a back suplex. It's kind of cool. I, I like it. Um, I'm very interested to see if he will be able to get over with the crowd. I'm worried he's going to turn into Neville, though. Um but again, what were your thoughts on this debut match uh, first, Braden? I was just more surprised at the fact that it was Apollo Crews who got it. Like, of all people to be called up at this time, he probably would have been near the bottom of my list of people ready to be called up. He is athletic. He has a lot of good potential. But um, even in NXT, I felt there might have been something kind of lacking with him that he needed to develop still. I'm not entirely sure what it is. Maybe he can find it on the main roster. It seems a lot more tough to do that, though. It's all just sort of wait and see at this point. But, yeah, it would be a shame if he became just like another Neville in the year's time. You know, I was actually quite surprised that he made it up into the Raw, uh, specifically considering that, like, Enzo and Cass came up last night as well, and you got Sami Zayn jumping from NXT to Raw, more or less. Like, he's still kind of going back and forth between the two, but I have a feeling when he's back from his injury, he's just going to be Raw full-time. So it's kind of interesting now that they're bringing up the quote-unquote young blood to the uh, to the big leagues, because, let's face it, they still are injury-ridden. Uh, Rollins isn't coming back anytime soon. With even though they have Cesaro and Cena, there's really no heat with them yet. With anyone, it's going to take like a few weeks to build that up to actually where like they matter again. So you got these new guys coming in, injecting fresh like at like character and just in general a lot much more entertaining to watch. It's not soft. Yeah, I I feel if they really want to get this guy over as a megastar, you do what they did with um, Randy Savage when he debuted in the 80s. You have a bunch of managers come around and just be like, man, I really want to get this guy. This guy's going to be a star. And then you have one manager come out and you can have guys like Paul Heyman. You can bring back a returning Zeb Coulter. You can have, you know. Heck, even you know, bring in a female valet. Maybe have Lana do something. I don't know. Just, just something to make it seem like this guy's really important, and this guy's going to really stand out. And then you have him pick the manager. Um, if Abraham Washington was still in the company, and you and Brain just laughed beside me. Um, but honestly, if Abraham Washington was still in the company, he would be Apollo Cruz's manager only because WWE. 
but Abraham Washington's a solid manager. It's just we haven't seen the full potential of him because he's a stupid idiot. Honestly, like what what stupid comments he made. Honestly, <laughs> like, but um, but yeah, I, I think Apollo. In order for him to really succeed, he needs to have a manager. Unless he's able to develop his charisma and develop his character moving forward. So we go back to the ring where we have Roman Reigns come out to a big ovation, and when I mean ovation, I mean an ovation of booze. Boy, was he booed loud tonight. I don't know what else needs to be proved to this freaking company that he's not the guy, but <laughs> there has to be something. Like, honestly, at this point, after getting booed by 100,000 people at WrestleMania, you should know by now that you're doing something wrong. But anyways, we'll uh, get things going. Actually, Brian, you want to say something quickly? They don't care. <laughs> they have your money. They have you subscribed to the network, and he's their guy that they want to push in the main event, and you're going to buy the shows anyway, and they don't care if you boo him. That's just the simple nature of the fact. It's why he has the title. Oh, they come on, man. Care. Come on. Come on, Michael. They're, they're just having fun, Michael. Come on, Michael. They're just having fun out here, Michael. It's a bizarro world. The night after WrestleMania is always crazy. <laughs> oh, we got a flying range, Michael. <laughs> um, so uh, we go into the promo, and uh, very short and sweet from Reigns. He did not handle this crowd very well. Uh, <laughs> the crowd was just all over this man. And then uh, he essentially laid out an open challenge to anybody who wanted uh, a chance at the title. Jericho came out. I was actually ecstatic. I'm like, yes, all right, I like this. And Jericho, you want to talk about a guy who knows how to f- cut a freaking promo? Chris Jericho cut a freaking promo on this one. Boy, was he fantastic in this one. Just shutting down the crowd. Just totally made them insignificant. Great heel this guy is. He just uh, He's just totally embracing. He's like, I buried AJ Styles at WrestleMania, and I'm going to bury everybody else at <laughs> on Raw. It was fantastic. But then more people came out. AJ Styles came out and said he wanted the title. Owens came out and said he wanted the title. And so did Sami Zayn. And I saw that. I'm like, oh, they're setting up a number one contender shot. I like. Um, there was a bit, bit of a scare because, uh, of course, as soon as Zayn walked in, Owens and Zayn brawled. Like every time when they see each other, they have to, you know, throw fists at each other. And they threw Owens out to the outside. Zayn did a tope over the top rope and looked to have landed very awkwardly, specifically on his shoulder. That was very concerning. And apparently people from the crowd were saying that Zane ran into the back holding his shoulder. And as soon as I saw that, I was freaking out. And I was like, no, please, God, no, let this not happen. But uh, according to reports, and we're going to do a little bit of a news and rumors early. Uh, according to reports, Sami Zayn is not injured. Thank the Lord Almighty that that's the case. And Thank God it's just an angle. So you know, by looking at his uh, match against Nakamura, I'm surprised he's not injured. I thought it was style. a very cool way to establish kind of these guys as potential contenders for the title for a while. Like it just looked like a lot of them were kind of stuck in this upper mid card tier, and had to kind of have them vie for a championship spot on a show like this, where a lot of people were probably watching. I think it does them a huge sort of favor to all of them. It gives them a lot of potential in terms of where they could be looked at by fans in terms of their card placement. I mean, maybe they're all Reigns fodder, but I would like to think that this means a little bit more for each of those guys. Maybe not so much Jericho because he's been around and he's challenged for the title, more specifically for the Zanes, the Owens, and even the Styles 
of the roster, the quote-unquote indie guys. <laughs> so, I mean, it would have been nice to see Jericho get the win, honestly, only because I feel like Reigns is, good, is still going to retain. So it would have been nice to just see Jericho f- get the pin, you know what I mean, or rather take the pin. But you know what? Uh, again, fast forwarding a bit, I'm super excited for this title match at at Payback. Funny enough, that's that's the next show, not Extreme Rules. Payback again. This was a great way to set up the. I thought people looked legitimate in this segment. I thought this was a great way to set up. You know contenders great stuff here they announced a tables match between the dudley boys and the usos Michael. and uh, then we come back from the break vans are booing shane walked up to congratulate uh, reigns on being the champion and he announces that it'll be jericho versus owens versus zane versus styles in a number one contenders matchup next match we had here was baron corbin versus dolph ziggler baron corbin is god that's all i'm gonna say it's a good review of the match. Baron Corbin is God. Big Corbin fan, are you, uh, I Zach? A, I am a huge Corbin fan. I like totally dig what he's doing in NXT. It's just his character of sorts, like just playing like the bully sort of deal that he has down there. Or are you actually joshing me now? <laughs> no, I'm 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 fully legitimate. This is Ryback status right now. This is some Ryback status going on with Baron Corbin. I just love the character. He hates indie guys. Why would you go back to Ring of Honor? <laughs> it's just so great. Love this guy. He does have his character down to a T. Yeah. I, I can just tell. He does have a presence. Yeah. And his work is not Braun Strowman level bad. No. So he's he's tolerable. I mean, I think Dolph put him over pretty pretty strong here. Yeah. Even for even with the aftermatch uh, beat down and everything, I think it I think he got put over pretty well. And especially after winning the Battle Royal the night before too. Mm-hmm. They seem to be high on him. Yeah, and 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 I think they should be high on him because the guy is very talented. Now in the ring, I think he's just average. Like I think, I, I don't think he's going to get any better in terms of the ring work. But if he has a capable worker with him, he'll be fine. Um, but I think it's going to be his character that's really going to stand out. He does have a presence. Um, I do want to rant on something a little bit about this here. Fans were very much complaining uh, throughout this show about the crowd, which I thought. Oh come on! <laughs> we've been we've been having these crappy, crappy crowds for weeks now, and finally we have a crowd that's energetic, willing to do stuff, be over the top, and we're still booing them. We're still really crapping on them. Come on! Like no more complaining. I just the crowd was not the problem with this show. It was not. It was the first thing from it. The crowd chanted. There was apparently a beach ball going around in the crowd, and there was a, there was a cr- crowd chant of "Let's go beach ball." Beach balls suck, and beach ball city. <laughs> like it was awesome. It was it was energetic. I loved it. I loved the crowd last night. It was certainly not the problem with this raw. Um, and I don't even think Raw was that bad, honestly. Um, so we had a double count out, which I was kind of annoyed with. Um, but uh, it made Corbin look very strong, I thought. I thought Corbin looked good here. Um, my favorite part of this was when Corbin came back after he found out he got counted out. He looked at the ref and he, and he said, you counted me out? This is on you. <laughs> it's just so, so great. I love Corbin. And I think he's got... Uh, bright future ahead of him in WWE and uh, they really got something behind him if he's I mean we said this about Cesaro again with the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal but the fact that they're giving him that spotlight in front of 100,000 people in that kind of match I think they have some sort of plan with them I'm hoping but again it is the WWE you never know uh, with them Um, so again 
Corbin looked really strong, delivered a very nice looking end of days. If there's one move he could perform to perfection, it's that end of days. It looks fantastic on everybody he uses. Um, so then we go... Uh, still to come, we have the no-holds-barred street fight. They were... Uh, overlooking that from last night go to commercial and then the new wwe intercontinental champion Zack Ryder came out not as big of a pop as i thought there would be i honestly um i thought there'd be a bigger pop um he essentially just said that last night or rather two nights ago was the greatest night of his life which you know what i don't doubt that for a minute um but but again, I, I this promo was just general promo um, for from Ryder. Uh, Brayden, what were your thoughts on this? Well, it was obviously the biggest time of his life because not only did he walk down the entrance ramp with his own music playing at WrestleMania, but he won the WrestleMania opener. Yeah. A kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, I thought that it was very good his promo. Like Ryder's a charismatic fellow. He can he can talk. Like he is a talented individual. I think he might not have gotten the big response you were expecting, mainly because like he's just starting to appear on TV and win after months of like not being on WWE television. So people are like a little surprised that wow, they're actually letting this guy have TV time and they gave him a championship. It's more like there's the stunned silence than anything else. But um, it led into Miz coming out and he interrupted Ryder, talked about how it was a fluke, he was going to win and Ryder snuck up from behind and pushed him and the two kind of go back and forth until uh, Miz kind of t- t- asks, challenges him to say, well, if it wasn't a fluke, prove it and put your title on the line like right now. And then he gets Ryder angry by insulting his father and Ryder agrees to the match. And so we had an intercontinental title match on this show. Yeah, um, we did have an intercontinental title match on this show. Um, before I even mention that, he uh, Ryder's da- dad was shown in the crowd. Holy crap, is that man jacked? I did not think he was his dad for a minute, but did, apparently it was his legitimate father. Did you like the uh, the steroid chant that came up? Yes, I heard that chant. I was like, oh boy, he that, that man is gigantic. He's bigger than Ryder. That's how big this guy was. Um, and Ryder got himself much bigger over the past couple of uh, months. Bulked up nice. He really bulked up. Um, now he's got a beard. He, he, kinda, he actually looks, you know, like a, pre- a little bit of a presence. Plus, he is charismatic, so it helps. I thought you said he looks like a bit of a pretzel at first. <laughs> you know, thinking about it now, if he were to tan himself maybe a bit more, I could see it. Especially after this loss, he might feel a bit salty. Oh! <laughs> oh! Please edit this out. <laughs> this is why we went to pre-recorded. <laughs> That's all staying in the online version. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's all staying in the online version. Um, the Intercontinental title match. Um, you know, it was a good match for what it was. Um, a standard match. Um, the winner was The Miz after his fiance, I think actually married now too, uh, Maurice, came out into the crowd after Miz and uh, Ryder's dad were talking at each other. Maurice came came out, slapped Ryder's dad in the face, and Ryder got distracted. Miz hit the skull-crushing finale and becomes a five-time Intercontinental Champion. Five times this guy has won it. We're going on Jericho levels here soon with, with Miz by the how many titles he's been winning. Fun uh, fact, he's done without using more than one armbar. Mm, that's true. That is true. Hold two! Skull-crushing finale! <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Um, 
But I was I was actually surprised to see Maurice come out. People were like, "Oh, Maurice is com- going to come out," and I'm like, I didn't believe it at all at first. I thought it was just rumors, but no, Maurice came out and she helped out. I'm I'm interested to see where this goes. I can't wait for the eventual Maurice versus Lana match, honestly, because <laughs> they're gonna book that eventually. I honestly believe that they're gonna book Maurice versus Lana. Is she back for an extended period of time now? Like, that wasn't just, like, a one-off sort of deal? Like, is she going to be Mrs. Valet for a while? Oh, oh, she's she's back. She is back. Like, there's no way you're going to have Maurice get involved in a storyline like that and not continue to be involved. Um... I, I think this is going to lead to something. I'm I'm actually happy to see Maurice be the valet for the Miz. I think it'll help Miz out more. Miz is just a mid card act, which is fine. You know, being a mid card act is not a bad thing. So I think this will help him out more. Plus, you know, Miz is going to look like a superstar. He's got the hot wife and he's got the hot belt, the IC title belt. And of course, they're going to promote it as a hot belt. Like, oh, it's the hottest title going around, Michael. But really, it's not. <laughs> like, I mean, they're going to try and convince people that with a ladder match, but no. I've got a challenge for you, Gibby. Okay. You need to be able to do a Byron Saxton impression this time next week. All right. I'll give you your, your Byron Saxton impression right now. Here we go. Spot on. Is it a perfect? On. Is it a great impression? <laughs> there you go. I didn't even need. I didn't even need two seconds. I just Almost did my breath. As empty as his commentary. <laughs> so we come back from the break. We see the Flares and Shane McMahon were backstage. We were wondering why. Oh, why are the Flares talking to Shane McMahon? And that's what the announcers were essentially saying. Were they saying "woo woo" is Shane McMahon <laughs> with the Flares? <laughs> you see, here's how the conversation went between Shane McMahon and the flares flares woo 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 mcmahon dala 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 <laughs> that's it that's essentially the full transcript of that conversation um we come back from the break and the rain is filled with women and wwe hall of famer lita of course she is a woman that sounded kind of insulting um, so <laughs> um are you trying to say that she wasn't a woman? No, she is a woman. She is definitely a woman. I, Lita, we love you. We love we love Lita here on Wrestling With Ideas. She is fantastic. She's looking great. Please don't delete that. Uh, <laughs> We come back from the break and the ring is filled with women. <laughs> There's no way to say that without it getting slightly condescending. <laughs> so, as Zachary was trying to say, the ring is just filled with the women of the roster. Women's wrestlers. Women's wrestlers. They're no longer divas, which I guess we can say is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Totally Time not divas. Time for the hashtag sexist Gibby trend to uh, start trending on Twitter. Oh, boy. But this, this promo... Uh, uh, Charlotte was the one mainly talking. You know, people didn't like this, but I think she was just being the antagonizing heel. She antagonized people, and that was fine. That's what her heel role is. I'm fine with it. The only problem with this promo is she stopped a lot during this promo. A ton. Um, she she would go, she would be like, hey, uh, yeah, I'm the woman's chip. Okay, crowd, we'll let you talk. We'll let mm. you talk. Okay. And now you want to be the statement for... Oh, yeah. Okay, crowd. Let's go. Yeah, chant your stuff. Chant your stuff. She ta- she stopped way too much in the promo. But other than that, I think it would have been fine. You can just tell that she was very rusty with her mic skills. Yep. And not to like take a slide at Lita, she was never very strong in the mic to begin with. She was like, when she was with the Hardy Boys, definitely like Matt and Jeff carried her more so. And it's just, 
you know, great in-ring worker on the mic. Yeah. yeah. I, I I agree with that. I um, guess they couldn't find Sonny. Oh God. Let's 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 bring Sonny. Let's also bring China in. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, so we head over to uh or rather, we're still in the ring and uh all the women's wrestlers start to leave. Um and but the only one that's left there was Natalia. She goes over to grab a microphone. Natalia's in very revealing clothing. Like, very revealing stuff. She cuts a promo on Charlotte. Charlotte cut a... Or sorry, not cut. She had a great facial reaction to this. It was actually super funny, and I urge anybody, everybody, to find this facial reaction of Charlotte. It was the best face of the night. But essentially, you had Charlotte and uh, Natalia cutting a promo on each other, and uh, it looks like they're setting up Charlotte versus Natalia for the Women's Championship. I am totally down with that. Because they're both good in-ring workers, and they both have had great matches. So I am totally looking forward to this match. And you know what? Save Sasha a little bit and give her her big moment at SummerSlam. But let's not try and stall Sasha's moment too much, because it's almost been a year now. And, you know, you're really tempting fate. you got to try and get it while it's hot sometimes. And uh, that's sometimes, you know, if they, they haven't learned that lesson a couple of times over. And it's really screwed them out of making big money. So I'm hoping that they eventually strike the iron hot with uh, Sasha. But then just because they didn't decide to push it while it was hot, it's the performer's fault that they didn't do well when they actually gave them the opportunity. Always remember that. Right. But I think they're kind of giving Natalia to be like Charlotte's opponent, mainly because they've had a lot of matches against one another, and they do seem to have quite a bit of chemistry. In fact, I think they just worked against one another at that Roadblock show. And there was an NXT, uh, I believe, pay-per-view where the two of them had like this big NXT Women's Championship match that was really, really good um, a couple of years back. So they have the history there. And I think that's kind of why they may be going with this program, just maybe as a sort of, uh, it probably is going to be a one-off, but just to give maybe Charlotte another win. It'll be great nonetheless, though. I, I'm super excited to see where this goes. And, you know, it seems like they are actually putting some legitimate effort into this division. So hopefully it goes somewhere. I, I really hope it does go somewhere. Um, we'll move things quickly along. We head over to the tables match between uh, the Usos versus the Dudleys. And, uh, you know, again, it, they botched the finish in this one. Boy, did they ever. Bubba Ray let the timekeeper know about that one. Or rather, the uh, bell ringer, bell keeper, bell dinger, ding-dong bell, Alexander Graham bell. They let that guy know. <laughs> he screwed up. Um, and, uh, you know, the match itself was, you know, it, it wasn't very good for a tables match. Um, but uh, that finish, man, like when Bubba Ray, like they, they dived onto the table and uh, they moved out of the way. The Dudley boys did. They went through the table, the bell run, and uh, the announcers were getting pumped. They were like, hey, this is they they lost and all this stuff. And then <laughs> Bubba Ray grabs one of the Usos. I think it was Jimmy just throws the Uso right through the table. And then he goes to the bell bell keeper and he goes, now we've won the match. Now we've won the match. Ring the bell in his best Paul Heyman impersonation. Mm-hmm. And uh, this match, again, it was botched at the end, but, you know, it was just a way to fill some time. So, uh, again, nothing too much else to say. Bubba Ray had tried so hard to build something out of this, and it led to absolutely nothing. Like, he's, he's trying to insult his father on commentary, and nothing's being b- built on it. Like, Bubba, it just goes to show how talented Bubba is, but boy, like, 
he, he's trying so, sometimes you're just trying way too hard in a feud that just goes nowhere so I, mm. I don't know where do you think this leads for the Dudley boys uh, with the debut of Enzo and Cass I think it's just the Dudley's job which has been mainly their job since they've come in and that's to put over other tag teams <laughs> and I think Enzo and Cass are just going to be the first ones that they do that for um I mean, Enzo was just on fire on the microphone last night, wasn't he? Like, holy goodness. What do you have to say about that, Zach? Like, oh, his, his, his promo was fantastic. Uh, it really set Enzo and Cass up to do some big things in this division. Um, of course, they did the whole spiel. You know, I am Enzo Amore. And the crowd chant along with absolutely everything they knew every single line that Enzo was about to say which made it brilliant <laughs> and especially when they did soft there was a great pop yeah soft no it was fantastic it was great to see them make the jump from NXT to Raw and I really hope that like their feud with the Dudleys goes over well I hope it brings back memories of New Age Outlaws versus the Dudley boys I really do I hope it doesn't bring back memories of New Age Outlaws from two years ago no, let's let's let, let's hope to God that doesn't happen. Um, so we head over to our main match, uh, the number one contenders Fatal Four Way. Earlier in this show, Owen or rather Zane was cutting a promo on how much this title meant was going to mean to him. Owens interfered and power bombed him through a table. Um, this was after the uh, tables uh, matchup, and uh, boy, that that one table spot was better than the entire tables match. Um, and it's really going to set up some great things for Zayn and Owens down the line. It's going to be awesome. Um, and so there were questions on, oh, is it going to turn into a triple threat? Or are they going to keep with a fatal four-way? Well, uh, the announcers said there was going to still be a fatal four-way. And the surprise return was Cesaro. So glad he's back. He's he's next to Ryback. He's my favorite superstar on the roster. So I'm so glad to see that he's back. Why do you like big, buff, bald men? Like they're your favorites of the everyone on their entire roster. You I like, like the Baron big, Corbin. buff, bald guys. Corbin has long hair. Yeah, but then you like the big, buff Baron. <laughs> I mean, it's all alliteration with you. <laughs> I just well, well, I think Cesaro is kind of obvious to people why people are over because his in-ring skills are friggin' amazing, and plus, you know, he's a superstar in the making. Ryback, no, he- I like only because he's just. I, I like going against the grain sometimes. <laughs> Plus, I think he does. I think he is a good mic worker at times, and I think he his in ring skill. I think his in ring work is better. Don't laugh, Raiden. Admit it. His mic his mic works good. He it, can be really good, especially uh, be honest. His heel work against Cena is quite good. If That's I'm to understand book. you correctly, your appetite for Ryback has not been sated. You want to be fed more. <laughs> Screw you, Alex. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, I, I, I like Cesaro. I, I think Cesaro, like, if we we're all being legitimately honest here, Cesaro is my favorite wrestler on the roster. He's just fantastic. And I liked him. I liked him with the Real Americans. I liked him all that. That strip away suit, though. <laughs> How about that? It was like Party Boy all over yeah, again. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was just all it was his great. ring gear underneath it. I thought that was hilarious. For whatever reason, just added to his entrance, just wearing the suit, it, and then he rips it right off. It was better it than the rock ring. like having all of his gear underneath his like track pants and t shirt at Mania. So this match said you as you would expect it to be. It was awesome. I would argue maybe almost better than anything that was on WrestleMania last night. 
in terms of like the actual quality of the match. Uh, a great moment early on. Both Jericho and Owens got cleared from the ring, respectively, by Styles and Cesaro. So they turn around and do like this face-off that got a massively huge reaction from the live crowd, yeah. from the two of them staring off. And I bet they were actually probably pretty excited to work with each other. I can't even remember. Did they square off at all like in, in oh, ROH? In yeah. Uh, I don't think ROH, but... I don't think ROH, but um, I'm I'm for certain sure that they may have wrestled in a PWG show in 2006. I'm quite I know they faced each other, faced off against each other once. I know that Owens and Cesaro have faced off with each other in the independents as well, and I'm pretty sure Owens and Styles have worked together in several matches in the past. A quick Google search will probably prove me wrong. But yeah, anyway, no. it had to be years before those two ever locked up since then, though. So it was kind of cool to see them kind of work their usual spots against one another. Um, just a lot of really great, smooth action in this match. And the, like the pacing made sense. Like everybody got their shots in when they could. Owens playing the heel. He would hit like a cannonball on somebody when they'd be laid out by another person. I don't know. I just, I really loved this match from pretty well start to finish. I have nothing bad to say about it. Oh, it was great. The only thing that I can take away from it that was actually, it was the recovery from it was good, but the spot was still botched when Owens does a pop-up powerbomb on Jericho. Yeah. And he like, he kind of loses well, his grip on Jericho a little bit, but he recovered enough to actually make it land. And not only that, he didn't hurt Jericho. Yeah. Well, it was more it was more of a package power bomb from what I saw. But it's like but, but it was also power bombs, bombs are there. There's, oh, there's like 100 different variations of the power are, bomb. Are we going to have like Jericho come out? Sid. <laughs> are we going to have Jericho come out with a giant list of the power bombs he's done in his career? Number power one. bomb 1, jackknife. <laughs> Imagine that. Power bomb 2. <laughs> Gut wrench. <laughs> uh, imagine that. Um, but yeah, this match was fantastic. I still think that tag match was the best Raw match. Um, but I will say that that this match is certainly up there. Anything Styles has been in on this Raw, it's been fantastic. So yep. so you know it's it's such a good investment by WWE to bring Styles in, um, and he won. He is the number one contender for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I thought Jericho was going to win. Um, I wanted, I thought Jericho was going to win. I wanted Cesaro to win, um, but uh, I, I, I'm totally happy with Styles versus Reigns. I'm just kind of worried where this is going to lead for Styles because I don't know if he is going to win. But again, it creates that intrigue, right? So. And uh, the finish actually came as a result of a Styles clash last night on Jericho, something that the entire WrestleMania audience was deprived of the night before. They got here in probably um, one of the more amazing finishes that the WWE has done. I mean, to give Styles that kind of an opportunity just kind of goes to show his big money deal and how much... Um, of really an outside star that they got to bring in like I haven't they haven't had like uh, a guy come in that had some big name value go right onto their main roster in a very long time before this now the big problem with this is Roman Reigns will retain yeah they're going to change his name to Roman Retain <laughs> it's going to be a great show you guys are going to love was it Fastlane Payback. Payback. See, this is the thing. Their, their pay-per-view names are absolutely Generic. just moronic. And it's like, you kind of got nothing. It's not like, you know, um, like when they had the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view or SummerSlam or, you know, Survivor Series, TLC. These all make sense. Yeah. 
what's this one called? Fast lane payback? Payback. Like, <laughs> right there. Less than 30 seconds later, I can't even remember the name of it. Like, payback's great name in general if, like, it's got some sort of storyline to it. But if it's like, oh, WrestleMania just happened, now we're having payback, it's like, why? <laughs> like, who do we have to pay back? Like when they had hey, it. Hey, hey, hey! It's all the payback from all those WrestleMania rivalries. All right, mm. it's no longer a backlash; it's a payback. <laughs> I I like the way you put it there. Um, so, what were your thoughts on the show in general? I thought it was good. Uh, quickly before we do that, uh, we asked the people on Twitter. Do we? Uh, we do ask the people on Twitter. Why? Why? I don't know why, honestly. They got their hash like browns us. in a twist. <laughs> they like us. They like us. We asked them what they thought of uh, Raw After Mania, and uh, 58% said yes, yes, yes. Uh, 40% said meh, meh, meh. 2% said no, no, no. How many people voted if only 2% said no? 45. Which is our highest voter output, by the way. So one, one guy, one guy said no. Marco, we love you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marco Rossi. Um, no, Mar- Marco enjoyed the show. I think. I think he enjoyed the show as well. Um, but yeah, I thought the show was great. I enjoyed the show. I liked the feuds that they set up. I'm excited for Charlotte versus Natalia. I'm excited for Styles versus uh, uh, Reigns. I'm excited for a lot of the matches. I'm I'm excited for Miz and Ryder. It's and that's the one that's you know probably gonna have the least build around it only because you know icy title poor Kalisto he was off this show as well he was on superstars and just by the reaction of me saying superstars that just sums up our thoughts on the show you're US champion ladies and gentlemen oh poor Kalisto anyways uh, quick thoughts about uh, quick thoughts about uh, the show before we head to a commercial break I still think it was one of the better Raws this year so far. Maybe the best at this point, and I can't say it's going to hold on to that. Um, we'll say that uh, stamp for the entire duration of 2016. But so far, I would argue that it was maybe the best Raw we've had so far. I, I really liked it a lot. Alec, your thoughts? Yes. Do you think the Raw was good? No. Do you think there's going to be any feuds that are going to develop out of this? No. How come? very good show <laughs> no I, in all fairness raw was actually really good uh one thing that greatly disappointed me was the crowd was not like an aftermania crowd should be and what i mean by that is there weren't any catchy chants there wasn't any singing going on there yeah, wasn't was. a, well there wasn't as much you know what i mean like it felt like uh in past years pretty much like the crowd controlled the show as in this one they kind of let the show happen and when lita tried to talk they interrupted her yeah like I mean, there wasn't. Um, I thought the crowd was fine in this one. I, I was, I, you know, honestly, I think, I think there's just some moments where people just, you know, like to complain a lot. Well, it's also it was a Dallas crowd. You know what yep. I mean? Like it wasn't uh, like a smart city that you'd no. find up in uh, like the northeast or in like right. Europe. So oh, well. you got to take that as it is. Plus. <clears throat> In general, it was a great show. Lots, yep. lots to take home from it. Really good things to build upon, and it's more or less like they've reset the entire story. Like, there's no storyline before Mania that's still kind of going on now. They've as far kinda as just, we know, right? yeah. Like they've just kind of cut it all out, went bare bones, and there's a lot to build upon. Yep. So looking forward to see what happens to Styles. I don't know where KO's going right now, and it's kind of interesting because I think they're going him and Zayn in some sort of feud. Yeah. And I, I really think... hope that the Miz drops the belt on SmackDown so we get some more 50-50 IC title booking. Love it, man. Uh-huh. 
Um, I think they're going to set up Owens, Zane, and Cesaro triple threat. I think they're going to try and save this out until SummerSlam. That's what I think. Um, but anyways, with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we're going to come back, I had the chance to talk to WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan. This is all part of our action-packed edition of Wrestling With Ideas. So keep on listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. Hey, folks, I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and you're listening to Wrestling With Ideas, tough guy. Oh! Welcome back to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I am Zach McGibbon. Alongside me on the line, he is a WWE Hall of Famer. He is the winner of the very first Royal Rumble. We have right here Mr. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. How are you doing today, Jim? Well, great, Zach. Thanks very much for having me, you know. But the first thing Hacksaw has to do is give a big, oh, kind of fire me up, you know, gets me going nowadays. <laughs> that sounds awesome. And uh, we're just going to take you through uh, what's going on, uh, how you started your career and all that uh, for Mid-South and uh, going into the WWF and maybe talk a little bit about what's going on in WWE today. So uh, are you ready to get things going? Yeah, go ahead. Let me know what you got, question-wise. All right. Uh, so first question, uh, just for you, uh, how did the character of Hacksaw Jim Duggan uh, start out for you? Was there an idea that you previously had uh, before you entered the ring? Yeah, long before I was Hacksaw, I started in 1979 down in uh, uh, Texas with Fritz von Erich, all-star all Texas wrestling, I believe it was. Uh, Fritz is the one that opened the door for me. I was a football player for Southern Methodist University in Dallas. And I met Fritz on a fluke, and he opened the door. And I started off wrestling as uh, Big Jim Duggan for Fritz with a uh, long gold bathrobe, short hair, and clean shaven. I then uh, went up to New York, and I worked for WWWF, uh, Vince McMahon Sr., where I worked with, uh, had a match with Hawks today. Every once in a while, you see it on the network. Uh, Stan Hansen, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, people like that. And I went from the WWWF to Hawaii, where I wrestled as the convict, working for High Chief Peter, Peter Maivia in Hawaii, and met one of my best friends in my life, uh, Haku. That was probably like in 1980. And I went to Georgia Championship Wrestling. And uh, where I started to work with a good friend of mine who taught me an awful lot in the business, Ted DiBiase. I was back at Big Jim Duggan. Then I went to Pensacola and worked for the Fullers down there. And down there, I was Wild Man Duggan, where I wore a fur with chains on it and uh, grew my hair and beard real long. And from there, I went to San Antonio, and San Antonio is where I developed the Hacksaw Jim Duggan character. So out of... Uh, 36 years, probably 33 of them have been hacksaw. <laughs> and, uh, and after you're starting your early career with the WWWF and uh, multiple different promotions, you really gained traction uh, in Mid-South Wrestling. Uh, but first, I just want to ask about Bill Watts. Uh, what was it like working for a guy like Bill Watts? I got along good with Bill. Bill liked ex-athletes. He liked guys like uh, Steve Williams, Junkyard Dog, uh, myself. He liked... Uh, big raw bone type of guys, kind of guys like himself. Uh, it was a, a very tough territory. They had a waiver where if you wanted to try one of the wrestlers, you could sign the waiver and get in the ring with one of us. And of course, you know, Dr. Death was an NCAA champion. Everybody was a, a 
pretty tough guy down in back in the day, and uh, it was a whole different territory. If you lost a, a bar fight, you would get fired uh, long before sports entertainment. And uh, also during your time in uh, Mid-South, you had a great feud with uh, Hacksaw Butch Reed. Um, How did that whole feud develop uh, between you guys? I think that's pretty uh, obvious, you know, the battle of the Hacksaws, Hacksaw Butch Reed versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Of course, Butch and I had a a great run down there in Mid-South. Of course, it was a a live territory. Everything in the ring was pretty live. You just tried not to hit in the X-ring, you know, everything else was pretty stiff and uh, it was a believable territory and that's why we would do our TV in a small boys club in Shreveport, Louisiana but then run Superdome shows with 50,000 people once a year. I mean, it was a huge promotion for a small little company. Mm -hmm. And uh, later on in the Mid-South's timeline, uh, it became the Universal Wrestling Federation as an attempt to try and compete with uh, the WWF and also WCW uh, at that national level. Why do you think it wasn't successful in reaching that national level? Well, I think, uh, you know, what this man did is he went around to all the smaller territories, acquired uh, the top talent, you know, know, at WrestleMania 1, a junkyard dog went up to WWF. WrestleMania two, Jake the Snake went up to WWF. I went up for WrestleMania three. Ted DiBiase went to WrestleMania four. Uh, I thought everybody saw the uh, the writing on the wall where that was going to be the company, and uh, you know, just uh, Ted Turner couldn't compete with Vince McMahon. I don't think uh, Bill Watts could either. Yeah, and uh, afterwards you uh, signed over to the World Wrestling Federation, and was that also just a scenario where where mo- money was uh, good coming from the World Wrestling Federation, or did you feel it was time for a change of pace? You know, it's a, you know, bottom line, it's a business, and it's a, a very competitive business. I think a lot of folks don't see that aspect of our of our profession. You know, people say, "Well, you guys are all good friends." I said, "Yeah, we all compete for the same money. Uh, we're real good friends." I tell a young guy who wants to become a WWE wrestler, you know, I said, you know, keep it in perspective. There's, you know, 1,500 NFL football players, probably 800 NHL hockey players. You know, there's 120 WWE wrestlers. It's a very, very competitive business. And uh, your first major appearance uh, with the WWF was actually at WrestleMania three. Uh, still one of the biggest uh, attendance for WrestleMania ever. Uh, h- how would you describe your feelings uh, being in front of a, such a massive crowd, uh, especially at probably one of the biggest WrestleManias of all time? Well, it was a huge crowd, but you know, coming out of uh, Mid South, we like I said, we ran the Superdome with you know fifty thousand people. Seems like once you get over. A certain number uh, of folks. It's just all kind of a, a haze for me, especially back in the day. Uh, you know, before I had my eyes fixed. You know, I always joke. People say, "Axel, how was the crowd out there?" I said, "Well, the, the first three rows were full. I don't know about after that." And uh, also, uh, you were part of the first ever uh, Survivor Series pay per view. Uh, was it uh, difficult to adapt because it was a unique match concept at the time, or were you fully prepared to go into this match type, uh, bringing something new to it? I think once you're at that level, you're able to adapt pretty quickly. Otherwise, you don't survive at that level. And, you know, back then, everybody came out of a territory system, so. You had to do different kind of matches in different territories, you know, coming out of uh, 
Mid-South, we had a loser leave town inside a steel cage with a coal miner's glove on top of a 10-foot steel pole dressed in tuxedo. So I think you've got to be pretty adaptable to be in our profession. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, you are the first ever uh, Royal Rumble winner. Uh, at the time, did you think anything was going to come of it? Because at the time, it was a, a TV special. Uh, do you think anything was going to come with it f- for being the Royal Rumble winner at the time? Well, no, I don't think anybody uh, not only expected the Royal Rumble to become what it has become, one of the top four pay-per-views, but uh, I don't think anybody foresaw the uh, WWE becoming the world powerhouse at the SP Cup. You know, I, I just did a charity event with our NFL players down here, and I'm like, uh, world champions, uh, where in the world have you guys been? You know, in my uh, 36 years, I've wrestled in every state in the Union, Every province in Canada, including the North, Northwest Territories up in Toyotuk, <laughs> and uh, 30 different countries. It's hard to believe the, uh, the overall world appeal of professional wrestling. It's uh, amazing. And, uh, of course, during your time at the WWF, you've had a lot of uh, feuds, uh, some of the bigger ones being with uh, Nikolai Volkov. Um, but is there a feud that really sticks out in your mind uh, that you look back on and you're very proud of how the feud uh, turned out? being able to knock out Andre the Giant uh, with the 2 by 4 on television uh, that kind of elevated me to a main event type guy. It's kind of the pinnacle of that. And, of course, the uh, Royal Wumble were the, the, the two things I, I remember most. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we exit out of the WWF, uh, what would Obviously, we see uh, Vince from the 1980s uh, to to now. Uh, how would you compare Vince McMahon to the 1980s when WWF was really on a mega rise to where he is now, uh, where WWF is or WWE now rather is essentially uh, the wrestling place you know in the world? I think everybody back in the day was a little more crazy, a little wilder. I think everybody was younger, including Vince and. Everybody was on a high. I mean, you were flying around the world in Lear Jets wrestling in the you know, Royal Albert Hall in London and off to Paris and ending up in Madison Square Garden. And it was a crazy lifestyle. It was more like a rock and roll star than it was a sports team. And, uh, you know, Vince was different as we all were, but I think what a lot of people have to keep in perspective. You know, I just did a talk show with a kid that got fired from WWE and he was like, you know that uh, Vince McMahon, the WWE, they treat us like pieces of meat. And I was like, well, kid, what the hell you think you are? <laughs> you want a friend, go buy a puppy. You know, Vince is your boss. He's not your friend. You keep it in perspective. Mm-hmm. Make it in our business. You have to work for Vince McMahon. And somewhere along the road, there's a flushing sound, unless you're the taker. Mm-hmm. And uh, afterwards, after you left the uh, WWF uh, in 1993, uh, you went over to WCW and you debuted at Fall Brawl where you defeated Steve Austin, uh, stunning Steve Austin, in in a match in 35 seconds to win the United States Heavyweight Championship. Could you just go through uh, just the whole booking process behind your debut for WCW? Yeah, I made the move with uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hulk's a friend of mine. You know, especially back in the day, you were either in Flair's camp or Hogan's camp. Uh, I'm more a Hogan camp guy, and uh, of we went down there, and I beat stunning Steve Austin so bad he had to shave his head and change his name. <laughs> I should get a kickback all the money he's making now with Stone Cold. He'd still be running around with long blonde hair. 
And uh, would, did you ever think that in your wildest dreams that you would be beating a future megastar for for a, a wrestling company? Well, you have to work with Andre the Giant, brother. It's all relative. Uh, and Hulk Hogan, I mean, it's a, it, it's my opinion, Hogan's the pinnacle of professional wrestling. You know, and, uh, that second level guys like The Rock and Stone Cold and Ric Flair and you know, Sean Mike, there's a lot of great, great super talent out there, but uh, the only one Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And uh, you you were bouncing around a lot uh, throughout your time in WCW. You had quite a bit of feuds, but how would you describe uh, that behind-the-scenes scenario in WCW, as you mentioned? Uh, you were either Team Hogan or Team Flair. Were there any other little, I guess you could say, groups or little uh, friendships uh, behind the scenes uh, that, that that were involved in WCW uh, backstage politics? Well, as in any business, politics are a big part of uh, wrestling, of course, uh when Vince Russo finally came in, uh, you know, things totally went down the, the drain with him, you know, making himself world champion, uh, making David Arquette world champion. Uh, he tried to push me out of my contract, doing, you know, starting off with a janitor gimmick, uh, and maybe that made me the janitor of the WCW, but instead of, you know, that floppy, that made it work pretty good. Me and Jimmy Hart made the Saturday afternoon show the second rated show, we were bumping thunder with ratings with uh, a tenth of the budget. And then, of course, they brought me back up to Atlanta to turn me against America. I'm thinking Iraq, Iran. And they're like, uh, you're going to be part of Team Canada. <laughs> like, well, not a whole lot of team with the Canadians, God bless them. But so we uh, uh, did the Team Canada deal. But the neat thing about it was I was able to cut my hair and, and shave my beard after you know, 20 plus years. So I sat with guys in the dressing room that didn't have a clue who I was. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with it, you know, before anybody figured I was Axel. They all thought I was a new guy or a commissioner or something. I had a sport coat and tie on. <laughs> Nobody in the dressing room had a clue who I was. It was great. That's that's amazing. And uh, uh, you mentioned uh, Vince Russo when he came in. What was the initial reaction when they found out that Vince Russo was going to be the new head booker for WCW? Well, I think Vince took a lot of credit for what happened up in uh, WWE, and there's only one guy that can take credit for what happens up in WWE, and that's the other Vince, definitely not Vince Russo. Vince McMahon's the one that turned that company around. Vince Russo's one of a handful of guys who were feeding him ideas that he decided to run with. But, um, uh, I, you know, first off, I thought Russo would be okay. I got along with Bischoff in the beginning, but... Uh, as time went on, you know, uh, they didn't uh, appreciate my character. And at the end, they were, you know, trying to push me out of my contract. But, uh, you know, it's the way I feed my family. I'm not going to quit it. A company that Jimmy Hart and I used to talk about, we would say it's like uh, the Titanic. You know, the ship's going down, but you want to stay on as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what would you say was the overall downfall of WCW? Obviously, a lot of people had a hand in that. And as you mentioned, you know, a lot of people uh, look at Vince Russo and his creative de- decisions, uh, obviously making you a jan- janitor for WCW. Um, what do you think was just the overall downfall for WCW? Well, pretty much covered it right there, brother. <laughs> I think uh, Vince Russo... Uh, it had been the icing on the cake. It started a downward spiral as egos got more involved and uh, you know, the money was getting out of hand and guys like 
Ernest Cat Miller and Tank Abbott were making huge amounts of money that, uh, you know, were, you know, not you know, to that quality of uh, money that those guys were making. Uh, Steve McMichaels, you know, great football player, but uh, mediocre wrestler. Mm-hmm. And uh, afterwards, you had a, a brief stay in TNA, um, but were you ever offered a contract uh, from the WWF to come back to them uh, after WCW was bought out uh, in 2001? No, not right eventually. And uh, after, after a few years, I did come back and mm-hmm. sign a talent contract with the WWE and wrestled with uh, me and Super Crazy were a tag team for quite a while. Uh, tagged up with Eugene for a while. Uh, so, yeah, it was one of the things I'm most proud about. You know, my heyday, I, the WWF, I wrestled the DBRC, Orton, and Dusty. And in uh, the twilight of my career in WWE, I wrestled Dusty's kid, DBRC's kid, and Orton's kid. <laughs> At first, I beat up the old man, then I beat up the kid. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and so when you also got the call back, uh, what was your first reaction when you found out that you were going to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame? Of course, it's uh, an honor to be uh, recognized by your peers. I have a guy like Ted DiBiase, who I, I learned an awful lot of about wrestling. Any of the second-generation guys are more polished. Ted, Jake, Kurt Henning, guys that grew up in the business were just a little more polished than even the best workers. and. I wasn't a good worker. I was more, you know, people say, well, Axel, what's your favorite move? It's like kick and punch. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You know, and so, but I learned a lot from Ted, and uh, it was nice to have him put me in the hall. Absolutely. And uh, also, you've done a, a bit of work uh, with Global Force Wrestling as a legend to help promote uh, Global Force Wrestling events. What, what uh, uh, caught your eye with uh, Global Force Wrestling? Global Force is, is one of the few companies out there that's uh, trying to get something going because, you know, TNA is just not fitting the bill. I mean, they had all the opportunity, they had all the resources, but obviously they didn't have the right captain steering the ship with uh, Dixie Carter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, the buck stops somewhere and it's got to stop with her. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they had the budget, they had the talent, but they just couldn't, uh, you know, and I think the wrong idea is to try to compete with WWE. E, you know, for every Hertz, there's an Avis, and you know, offer the fans an alternative. You're not going to compete with a worldwide machine. They give the fans an alternative, something else to watch. And I think a lot of people out there are hungry for something like that. And that's why a lot of the smaller independent shows. I just did a, an independent show this past weekend up in North Carolina. You know, there was probably, you know, five, six hundred people at the building, and those guys out there, they love wrestling. It's from their heart. And they're out there taking bumps. I mean, put on a hell of a match. And, uh, you know, it's, it's it's just great to see those guys out there that really love the business. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to talk uh, a little bit about just some of the modern day wrestling. Uh, we're seeing a lot uh, of more high spots in matches. Uh, we've heard a bunch of other legends say that it would be best that they go back to that old school sort of method. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current progression of professional wrestling, and do you think it's going in the right direction? Well, you know, everybody's critical of today's product, but uh, I'm heading to Dallas tomorrow, and There'll be over 100,000 people at WrestleMania, so somebody's watching the show. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the kids are, it's much more high-risk, uh, high uh, 
tough the moves, you know, and of course the more often you take a high risk move, the more opportunity is to get hurt and more guys are getting hurt. I mean it's you know, in the old days you'd say there was a television show to promote an arena show. You know, boom, we're coming to the Sky Dome, we're coming, boom, the old Maple Leaf Garden, you know, we're coming somewhere. Uh, Cops County uh, Center, you know, but now it's a television show more than an arena show. So the the, the body of the product has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, definitely the kids got to take better care of themselves because you cannot take a high risk move night after night. You know, you might take one once in a while at a, a big house show or a big TV show or a pay per view, but every night's a, a TV show for those guys, and they're they're putting it all on the line every night because it is. Such a competitive business. If you're not going to do it, there's some kid out there, maybe a hundred guys out there that with the skill to do your job, just don't have the opportunity. So you better bust your butt. Mm-hmm. And uh, is there any uh, wrestler out there right now that you look at and say, "Wow, this guy's going to be a massive star"? Well, uh, you know, I, I always kind of big fan of uh, Dolph Ziggler. You know, I, I like Dolph from back in the Spirit Squad. I thought he had the look, the personality, uh, the, the ring ability to be a world champion. You know, to be that marquee guy, you got to have a certain kind of look. And uh, Dolph definitely has got that look. Uh, as a talent, I don't know if he doesn't have the look for a, a long-running world champion, but I'm a big fan of Bray Wyatt. I think... Uh, that character would have worked. I could see Bray Wyatt versus Junkyard Dog selling out places. <laughs> that was just a, a perfect gimmick. Mm-hmm. And uh, just one last quiz, quick question about uh, modern-day wrestling. Uh, have you seen uh, too much of the Lucha Underground uh, wrestling product? No, I, I actually I don't watch uh, too much wrestling. I tell folks, I said, that'd be like a butcher watching cut me on his day off (laughs) after 36 years of uh, wrestling uh, when I'm home I don't turn on too much uh, TV or wrestling Okay. Um, uh, well, it's, it goes back to that idea of where, you know, a lot of television, or sorry, wrestling is really making a transition towards uh, a little bit more high spotty, but also different kinds of entertainment. Uh, wh- what do you think about uh, Lucha Underground trying to turn themselves more into a television show rather than a wrestling show? Yeah, I think that's great. I think the more things out there wrestling-oriented, the more places there's guys for, to work to make a living, the better there is. And I think that's just a natural progression. To, you know, we've done the reality show, Legend House, uh, you know, the Diva show. Uh, you know, it's just it's a progression. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of Johnny Morrison, too. I think he's a huge, underrated talent. Uh, so I hope they do well. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, you're coming down into Ottawa. You're going to be at a Yuck Yucks tour. Uh, just describe uh, to the people uh, what that's going to be all about. Well, it's a positive look at pro wrestling. You know, uh, there's so many folks here, the uh, the negative things. And i got to give Mick, Mick Foley credit. He's the first one to start this whole thing of telling behind-the-scenes stories. And I've done it with uh, my good friend Jake Roberts uh, throughout Canada and the U.S., uh, Ted DiBiase and myself did the million-dollar two-by-four tour over in Scotland and England uh, last summer. So it's a uh, 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 road stories about traveling with Jake and Damien, the 10-foot python, uh, ring stories about Andre the Giant, uh, red stories about uh, Brett and and Owen Hart, God bless him, you know, behind the the jokes we call ribs. Uh, 
So it's a, you know, a fun, unique night out. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, thanks uh, for coming on, Hacksaw. You're listening to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. This is Wrestling With Ideas. Welcome back inside Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. We're going to do a quick news and rumors, then we're going to head out of here. Uh, biggest rumor coming out of the show was, was Sami Zayn injured? And for that, from what it seems like right now, backstage is saying he is not injured. So that is very good news. Um, so just quick thoughts on that, and then maybe one quick thing about the WrestleMania attendance. I was going to say, he just has bad luck in being called up to the main roster, doesn't he? I mean, that would be the second time it's happened since they plan to keep him up. Oh, thank gosh it was just work, though. Yeah. And they worked me pretty good. <laughs> there was so much to take home from that last sentence you said. <laughs> so, so much. Um, no, like, you know what? Sami Zayn being injured would have been awful, especially considering the number of injuries in the roster. But as a kayfabe work, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the storyline-wise where they're going, because now it's like, oh, hey, this guy that he's feeding with KO, he's off the maps now. It's like, he's not there. But, you know, it's good to hear that he's actually well, and I'm kind of hoping they have something for him in the coming weeks. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, one last quick thing, uh, WrestleMania attendance. They broke it. They shattered it, actually. 101,000. Oh, sorry, that's a fake number. 97,000, and I think it was 763 or something like that is the actual attendance. That's still pretty damn impressive. Like, people are like, oh, look at WWE faking the numbers. 97,000 people is quite a bit. And I know that WWE will try and, you know, put out their fake numbers and all that. But it's not like they're saying 100,000 people and like 60,000 people showed up. Because that's different. Like, 97,000 people, that's quite a bit. Yeah, no, it's it's a massive amount. But the biggest take-home from it is the venue, not so much WWE, but the venue had problems getting everyone inside. That was that was pretty interesting. Like Apparently, it was a ticket problem or something like that? I think it was a ticket problem or, like, one article I read said that they oversold the event to the point where they didn't expect 90,000 fans to show up. And it's like, it's WrestleMania. <laughs> Come on, you dingus. Like, you don't even, like... You could be the most casual wrestling fan in the world, and all of a sudden you hear, oh, WrestleMania's coming to town. Maybe I'll get tickets. Yeah. Maybe I'll bring the kids. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I'll get drunk and lose my wife. You know, you never know. <laughs> and uh, that's WrestleMania. Yeah. Oh, oh. WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, quick thoughts, Brain, before we head off. The fact that they were able to set a record for that place in terms of having 97,000 people with the card that got plagued with injuries and not everything got to go to plan and everything working against this WrestleMania just goes to show that WrestleMania is truly the draw. It's the brand that people want to go there for. 100%. Because really, what kind of marquee match was there to make 97,000 people show up? Shane McMahon and The Undertaker hell of a cell for control of the company. No, no, no. It was it was the, the women's rumble. That was the main draw. Everyone everyone wanted to see that rumble that that was like the big thing they even had a giant trophy of sunny sitting on, i can't even finish that sentence after you say sunny oh my god there's a giant trophy of dixie carter <laughs> was it the sunny side up Sorry. Uh, with that, thank you for tuning in to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 1079, Ottawa's new music. If you want to continue listening to Wrestling With Ideas, check out our Podbean site, wrestlingwithideas.podbean.com. We have all the archived episodes there. We've also got a ton of different interviews there. Jake the Snake Roberts, Jeff Jarrett, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, you heard today. We'll have the full one uh, up there as well. We also have our full WrestleMania review on wrestlingwithideas.podbean.com. Go check it out there. And uh, just keep on listening. We're on TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, I iTunes, all that good stuff, Player FM, and we're on PWP Nation, a great site. 
bunch of great articles on there. Uh, they finished their WrestleMania series, which was fantastic. So check them out, pwpnation.com. But until then, have a good one, guys. You have just listened to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. Keep updated with everything going on with Wrestling With Ideas by following us on Twitter or leaving a like on the Wrestling With Ideas Facebook page. Listen to archived episodes of the show on Podbean and the Podbean app. Or take a listen on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Player FM. We will be back next week to Wrestle With Ideas. You think this is over easy after that sunny comment, don't you? Yes, I do. Just so you know. It's hard-boiled. Ha ha ha!